Clouds are increasing. We have a brief shot of rain later this morning, then a partly cloudy afternoon with low 50s even out to the coast. I'm Mark Prell. Good morning from the KRCB Sonoma County Newsroom. Here's your first news for Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. PG&E says there are still more than 16,000 homes and businesses in the North Bay without electricity this morning after Sunday's storm. The utility says crews are continuing to work as quickly as possible to restore power to those affected by one of the strongest single-day winter storms to hit northern and central California in three decades. Meanwhile, the Press Democrat is reporting that those customers without power may see money coming from the utility company. According to PG&E's Storm Inconvenience Payment Program, residential customers who experienced a power outage of two days or longer due to a weather-related event may qualify for a payment of up to $100, depending on the length of the outage. The company says businesses are not qualified, but residential customers are, and payments are sent out directly. They do not need to apply for them. The payments start at $25 for an outage of 48 to 72 hours and increase by $25 per day to a maximum of $100. PG&E says payments are typically sent out 45 to 60 days after the outage. Well, a handful of Sonoma County schools will remain closed for another day today. The Office of Education says four West County schools still do not have power or are dealing with storm-related damage and that school districts and independent charters make their own decisions on whether to close and sometimes alert families before the County Office of Education sends a news release. If a district is messaging school families about a closure, parents should assume the district's information is correct. What we can tell you is that Dunham, Horicon, Kashia, and Oak Grove Union have notified the office of full closures for today. Well, Sunday's powerful storm wreaked havoc on North Bay power lines. PG&E says as of this morning, crews are working to restore power to 16,000 customers in the North Bay. But the company says its crews are challenged by access issues. Multiple broken poles, down wire. There's areas where we're needing to bring in a helicopter to restring some of the poles. So it's just Every outage is different, but these are, you know, complicated, heavily damaged areas that we're dealing with. That's pg and spokesperson Megan McFarlane. This storm is is the single most damaging storm on record um, that pg and had a single-day storm since the 1995 and 2008 storm. So just a really intense storm. You can find the latest outage information at pge.com slash outage. North Bay Democrat Mike McGuire was sworn in this week as President Pro Tem of the California State Senate. The transition represents a power shift to rural California, as Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. McGuire represents a sprawling coastal district that stretches from the Oregon border to the North Bay area. He takes over the Pro Tem job from San Diego Democrat Tony Atkins, who terms out later this year. McGuire's ascension means both the Senate and Assembly are now headed by lawmakers who represent rural areas. Speaker Robert Rivas of San Benito County took over the Assembly last summer. But it also means the three most powerful elected officials in California are now men. The governor, speaker, and Senate pro tem have enormous influence over policy and state spending. McGuire says he's honored to lead a Senate that increasingly reflects California's diversity. Know that representation matters, uh, and I will be following through with my commitment, my promise on delivering on the values, whether it is the Women's Caucus, the LGBTQ Caucus, 
Black Caucus, the Latino Caucus. McGuire grew up working on his grandmother's prune farm in Sonoma County and took the oath of office with his toddler son balanced on his hip. He listed housing and homelessness, the home insurance market, and investing in public schools as some of his top priorities before he terms out in 2026. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. A bill introduced in the legislature this week could make it legal to use psychedelics in therapeutic settings in California. This is the latest attempt by state lawmakers to decriminalize psychedelics here. CalMatters health reporter Ana Ibarra has more. So this new bill is different than previous attempts to legalize psychedelics because it focuses on the therapy use of these drugs. Essentially, it would allow anyone 21 and older to use certain psychedelic drugs, including magic mushrooms, in a controlled setting and under the supervision of a licensed therapy facilitator. There is growing research that shows psychedelic-assisted therapies are beneficial in treating mental health issues like PTSD and depression. That's CalMatters' Ana Ibarra. You're listening to Sonoma County First News. We'll visit any local tasting room on a busy Saturday afternoon, and you'd never guess that overall wine consumption is declining. Recent data from Nielsen IQ shows that consumers are increasingly drinking less wine, swapping their glasses of Pinot and Chardonnay for cocktails or beer, or even non-alcoholic drinks. So what can the wine industry do about it? Tina Caputo has the story. Here at the Unified Wine and Grape Symposium in Sacramento, thousands of wine professionals have gathered to network, explore new business strategies, and hash out the industry's biggest challenges, including the downward trend in wine consumption. There are several reasons why wine consumption is declining. Wine economist Mike Vseth is one of the main presenters at this year's conference. During the COVID period, I think a lot of consumers began to look at self-care and to ask themselves, what is a healthy relationship with alcohol? Because not only is wine consumption declining, but consumption of beer and spirits are also declining. While wine isn't the only beverage that's taking a hit, it does face some unique challenges. For one thing, it's expensive. The average price per serving for wine is typically double the cost of a serving of beer, liquor, or hard seltzer. There's also a demographic element of it. It seems that the younger generations drink wine, but they drink wine and they drink spirits and cocktails and they have craft beers and they're not not as uh, focused on wine as a key uh, consumption group was among the baby boomers. Beverage alcohol analyst Danny Brager points out that wine's core consumers are mainly over the age of 65, and that's a problem for the industry. Older consumers, boomers, and the preceding generation, they're getting older, they're aging out, so at some point they're drinking less, um, and some of them are sadly passing on. And then the younger generation aren't drinking as much wine as, as, as the boomers, so we have a replacement issue. To turn the tide, Brager says the wine industry needs to do a better job of engaging with younger, multicultural consumers. Part of it is understanding sort of their cultural backgrounds, what resonates with them. Part of it is offering products that they're more interested in or potentially more interested in. Things like lower calorie, lower ABV, um, lower alcohol by volume. Uh, they're very interested in flavors, and that's why ready to drink. Uh, products have done very, very well. Vseth says this is a great time for the wine industry to branch out and experiment. When you look at some of the successful brands, one is Stella Rosa. They've now uh, developed a number of products that are flavored. They have a new one 
that is a uh, white wine, but it's flavored with chili and pineapple. Vseth says it's not wine like older generations understand it, but that's okay. Uh, if we simply make the same wine, package it the same way, sell it with the same message, we will get the same result. Stella Rosa isn't the only winery that's gotten the memo. In 2020, amid the uncertainty of pandemic lockdowns, Obsidian Wine Company in Sonoma created a new brand called Rabbit Hole. Arpad Molnar is the co-founder of Obsidian. We were standing around thinking, now what do we do? And we went back and started to make a set of wines that we thought would be really delicious to drink and fun to drink. The Rabbit Hole lineup includes a hazy, sparkling Pinot Noir, a fizzy Petit Syrah, and a cider wine hybrid made with pears and Sauvignon Blanc. The wines are fresh and spritzy, and the bottles are sealed with crown caps, like you'd normally find on beer bottles. They were super popular immediately, right out of the gate, so now they're available in about 30 different states. Molnar sees the products as a way to invite more consumers into the wine tent. I don't think this is going to change what people drink all over the world all the time, but it's a component of it, particularly for people who are intimidated by wine or by intimidated by the process or don't see themselves naturally as wine drinkers. We want this to be an on-ramp for people into wine. Reporting for NorCal Public Media, I'm Tina Caputo in Sonoma County. Now this. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. A federal program that helps nearly 3 million Californians afford high-speed Internet could end if Congress doesn't act soon. But Californians can still get at least one more round of support as long as they apply by today. CalMatters tech reporter Kari Johnson explains. When we look at the numbers in California, we can see how important the affordable connectivity program is. In December 2021, there were 1 million people enrolled. Today, there's 2.9 million. This program would give roughly $30 a month or up to $75 a month on qualifying tribal lands support for high-speed broadband access. If they meet the deadline on Wednesday evening, people can receive up to three months of coverage. Of course, if the funding is extended by Congress, then that would be considerably more time. That's CalMatters' Kari Johnson. You can check whether you are eligible for this broadband assistance at affordableconnectivity.gov. Turning now to weather, we do have that brief shot of rain mainly between 8 a.m. and noon. We turn otherwise partly cloudy today with highs near 52. Tonight, partly cloudy and chilly with lows around 34. Tomorrow, patchy morning frost, otherwise partly sunny. Look for highs near 55. Mostly sunny with upper 50s Friday. Lots of sunshine for the weekend with highs nearing 60. And expect overnight lows to climb from the 30s this week to the low 40s for the weekend. For today, cloudy and damp at the coast. Winds from the west-northwest will be 20 to 30 miles per hour at the beaches. Bodega Bay climbs to 53 later. 53 also on the way for Grayton, Guerneville, Sebastopol, and Petaluma. Hillsburg, Windsor, Forestville, and Sonoma reach 52. Cloverdale climbs to 50 and 52 on the way for Santa Rosa. Well, thanks for starting your day with us. We are your local member-supported public radio newsroom. You can become a member at krcb.org, and that's where you'll also find more local reporting, plus any updates to the stories you just heard. 
And join us for Morning Edition and All Things Considered for more North Bay News coverage weekday mornings and afternoons on KRCB 104.9. From Sonoma County's NPR station, I'm Mark Prell. Stay safe out there and have yourself a good day.